1: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF podcast. This week, we're back at Voices 2018, where I had a very interesting conversation with Francesca Bellatini, Chief Executive Officer of Yves Saint Laurent. Francesca first entered the fashion industry after working in finance and investment banking. And over the years, she has developed a very keen merchandising mindset, working at Prada, Gucci, Bottega Veneta, and now of course at Saint Laurent. One of the absolute pleasures of having this job is sitting down with behind the scenes people like Francesca who make the fashion industry tick. My last lunch with Francesca came at a very interesting time indeed. Just a few days after, former YSL designer Hedy Slimane, with whom Francesca had worked for several years, showed his first highly anticipated collection for Celine, which, like his YSL collections, had a distinctly Hedy Slimane look about it, the same look that drove the Saint Laurent business into a billion euro business. On social media, fans were already pitting the two houses against each other, in a battle royale for the hearts and minds of those seeking a Parisian chic rock and roll aesthetic. But when I asked Francesca for her thoughts on this brewing battle, she was as cool as a cucumber, laying out a pragmatic and thoughtful strategy in response. So I asked her if she would come to Voices 2018 and share her thoughts on the question on everyone's minds about the future of Yves Saint Laurent. Here's Francesca Bellatini at Voices 2018. To start with the question that everyone's been talking about, let's just get it out of the way, because there's a lot of other things, obviously, to discuss. But what was your reaction to Hedy Sliman's Celine show?
3: I looked at the show, of course, yeah, uh, and I was happy for Hedy for his comeback. I think... uh, He's an incredibly talented designer, and he deserves uh, to be part of the industry. I wish him every success because it, this is good for all of us. And I'm a huge fan of uh, creativity and talent. So like you said, I had uh, the, uh, the great opportunity in my life to work with incredible creative people, starting with, uh, of course, Mucha Prada when I was very, very young, and Mutlang very closely. Uh, we are still very good friends and then Tom Ford a little bit, Frida, I knew Alessandro there, and then Heidi, and now Anthony Vaccarello. So I'm a big fan of creative people, but I'm also a big fan of uh, brands. So uh, my reaction was, uh, you know, good that uh, another good creative talent is back, and it's only gonna be due to the industry. And that, that was honestly it.
1: That's honestly your reaction. Okay, <laughs> so, so let's, let's dig a little deeper. <laughs> You know, when Hedy Sliman first joined Saint Laurent, the business yeah. was in, in a transition, yeah. right? Uh, Stefano Pilati had left, and you joined shortly after...
3: Yeah, about um, a year and a half later. Yeah,
1: but a year and a half after. When you look back now and you think about the trajectory that Saint Laurent went on, what do you see as Hedy's contribution to the development of this business?
3: Well, Hedy Sliman had a... A tremendous contribution to the brand. Uh, he came to, I, I wasn't there when he came to San Loran, but of course I was looking at this from the outside. And then, uh, having become the CEO of San Loran, I had the opportunity to dig in more about why that happened and what was done. He came at an incredible moment uh, for the brand and uh, when the brand needed, uh, uh, some people call it a revolution, but I like to call it a rebranding and reform. Uh, because the brand needed to be brought back to its origin, to the period of the brand when when Sanorán was very relevant. And uh, the period of the history of the brand when, when uh, the, the brand was most relevant were actually the late 60s and beginning of the 70s when Yves Sanorán himself created the Pret-a-Porter. That was an incredible move, was when the brand was vibrant, was when the brand went closer to the street, closer to the consumer, and those were really the years that upset set what the brand was standing for in terms of values, values of freedom to speak, liberation at the same time, sophistication, bringing the style to the street. Over the years, that got a little bit uh, abandoned. Maybe people focus more on single product than on branding. And so what was done in 2012 by Paul Deneb and, and Hédi Liman, who were there at the same time, was really refocusing the brand on its origin and on the period that was the most vibrant, starting to call things with the appropriate name, because when Yves Saint Laurent launched the Pret-a-Porter, he did it under the umbrella of Saint Laurent gauche, because at that time uh, he was still doing haute couture and we were not and we are not doing haute couture. So basically by doing this very abruptly in a way that seemed a revolution, actually they brought back very clearly the spirit of the brand. So we needed that that revolution to really stand even clearer for the values that the brand had brought in. So when I arrived, that was done. But what I found was, uh, all the assets that have been built through the years in the brand, the brand, thanks to every creative director that has been working in the brand over the years, had become incredibly successful also in the business of accessories. And yeah. like we were, we were discussing at lunch, mm-hmm. accessories gives you give you the, the possibility to have more profit, and so even to invest in a rebranding. And it had already a very balanced business in terms of product categories, Um, a very balanced business in terms of uh, geography. Uh, We were not, uh, even when we were, I mean, I joined and the brand was about 560 million, but we were not overexposed in any market or in any nationalities. We had very successful both retail and wholesale business. So, Everything was there, and the contribution was brought by every single person that worked in the brand. Of course, with that incredible asset, when you clarify the brand positioning and you do it in such a strong way, then everything comes together. And then after a revolution that boosts the beginning of your success, you need a moment of consolidation. I mean, after every revolution, you need a constitution phase if you want than to become, uh, to become a, longe- longevity, a longevity business. And this is what, uh, what we have been doing. I mean, I think you can share with me the fact that in the last uh, two years, uh, the brand has been evolving a lot. Uh, with the arrival of Anthony Vaccarello, the value has been clarified even more. It has pushed the brand uh, even more to the limit, clarifying what we stand for, clarifying what the San Laurent woman is. And, and I think that people recognize uh, the authenticity in the way we do that. And, uh, and this has, has created a platform for a tremendous growth, both in revenues, but even in profitability. Because sometimes, from a CEO perspective, it could be seem quite easy simply to grow your top line and forget about the profits. While in reality, it's a profit that makes your business sustainable, allow you to continue to invest, allow you to continue to invest in people and growth. So... The contribution was brought by every actor in the picture. Of course, what was done with Eddie is much more visible and it's very important because it brought the brand together. But you need to build it in a solid way, and you need to have something that is incredibly relevant. That is the brand, the mm-hmm. brand itself. We it, all work. It, for it the has brand. been
1: solid, and you know, when Hedi Slimane left, the business continued to grow. Yeah. And some would argue that the template that was created by Hedy, was you know, very faithfully respected by Anthony, who also injected his own ideas. Absolutely. But I think the question that a lot of people were asking, another thing we talked about over lunch, was aren't you afraid now that some of your customers are going to run off to Celine because, you know, the Slimaniacs, they call <laughs> them, aren't they just going to shift their loyalty because there's another brand doing something kind of similar.
3: No, in reality, this is a quite simplistic way of viewing things. I mean, I know you and I talked about it and we agree. Um, when you change a creative director in a brand, in particular a brand that doesn't have the name of the creative director, of course, if Stella leaves Stella, is yeah. <laughs> kind of left empty. But when, when, a, when a creative director leaves a brand, the, the, fan of the creative director disappear almost immediately. In the span of six to eight months, they are all gone, and you are impacted more or less in a different way, in different product categories, or in different market. But what happens is like, uh, you lose some of the fan of the old creative director, you gain the fan of the new creative director, but you don't need to forget that there is a big chunk of fan of the brand itself. And then a big fan of what the new creative director does for the brand. And I think that the results that quite naturally and silently we have been able to bring show that these flows of in and out has been accrued for us. So this is why you saw me probably being confident and cool quite relaxed. Yes. I mean, Nobody has ever defined me like that, but I like it as a definition. Because we already went through that phase. Yeah,
1: so that you basically you're saying... The Slimaniacs had already left the brand. I think you told me a bunch of them were in Japan. Male Japanese consumers.
3: That is where it was immediately visible, Uh, really. I mean, uh, Edis Slimani in Japan is really like a rock star and is really able to bring in and out of fashion uh, entire consumers. But as I said, uh, then, thank God, in Saint Laurent, the brand is bigger than, than any of us. and and what Anthony has been doing for the brand has resiliated very well with old consumer, new consumer, consumer that we had. We talked about the fact that in fashion every year, minimum 70 to 80% of your consumer are new. So what is the real challenge for us and what is the real challenge for me is how to remain relevant. I mean, two years in fashion time is, is a very long time, so you saw that we did quite a lot of things and what what we think about is actually how do we remain relevant? How do we um, continue growing but without compromising on the positioning of the brand? How do we continue to launch successful product? I mean, we had uh, each and every creative director being able to create uh, incredible icons for our brand and those icons have been leaving through the brands, of course, uh, uh, retouched, reviewed by, by the following creative director. But I am very happy to say that, actually, the, the ultimate best selling product in the history of Sandoran, the single skew that I've been selling the most, is a skew that has been created by Anthony a year ago. Don't ask me to tell you which one. I won't. Yeah, but Co- So the best-selling product yeah, in the history product. of Saint
1: Laurent was created by Anthony Baccaro. Yes, and
3: this is not dependent only on the product, but I think it is because it's coming in a contest where everything makes sense, you know? When you communicate the brand right, when you are authentic, when you communicate your values without fear... and. Consumer recognize that what you're telling them is really what you stand for, that you simply don't bend because there is this or that trend in the market that apparently is cooler than you in a certain moment. Sure. They recognize this to you. And then when in that moment you are able to put in the market a product that also from a merchandising perspective is a good product, you insert it in the right contest, makes sense with the rest of the brand, it becomes a bestseller and a new icons. Got so... It. That that's what that's why you saw me as a cucumber. All right.
0: <laughs> a lot can happen in 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly 3 years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
4: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game?
2: with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
1: Moving on to something else. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know, there's a lot, you, you talked about like 80% of the new uh, customers coming yeah. into you know, a brand every year are new.
3: Yeah.
1: And increasingly, a lot of those customers are Chinese customers. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I, I just came back from the uh, BOF China summit uh, a few He's weeks my back. With Marco. Yes, with Marco, exactly. And it's just fascinating to me every time I go to China. I, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts about navigating that market. Some, you know, analysts, investors are worried that mm. the, the market is slowing uh, what, what are your th- what's your read on the, the yeah. temperature of the Chinese market?
3: I don't know if this comes from the fact that I'm optimistic by definition. So if you give me a glass, I tend to, to see it always half full instead of half empty. I like to focus on the things that, uh, even if they're difficult, they become opportunity. But like you said uh, this morning, I mean, China next year is going to be the biggest market in luxury. And still, uh, China is projected to grow to a solid single digit that is still double That a lot of the other markets. So yes, clearly China has slowed down compared to the inflated growth that it had in the past. I mean, I'm in this industry since many years and I saw China growing 60, 70% every year. That is unsustainable. Uh, But still being the biggest market is growing high single digit, double than Europe, for example. And so I believe that for brands in particular that have not been too exposed to the market, that have not been opening too many stores in tier two, tier three cities, because at the beginning when people didn't know how China was, we in the industry misinterpret the country. We thought that that simply because a town had a lot of inhabitants, by definition, it would have been good for fashion. Simply, you have a lot of people disinterested in fashion. So you really have to open stores where there is a relevant crowd for that, exactly like you do in any other market. The difference is that in China, the scale and the number of the population has a different magnitude and a different proportion. So for all of those brands that are not too exposed, China represents a tremendous opportunity. For us at San it is like that. If you think about it, we have been growing so much but we don't even have a flagship yet in china we are going to open really? yeah we are going to open our fla- first uh, flagship store at the beginning of next year in beijing and the second one in shanghai so for us the market is still full of opportunities and i think for a lot of other fashion brands and in particular what i like of this moment is that uh, the policies that the, that the chinese government is putting together in order to stimulate local consumption Stimulate a healthy business with Chinese. I'm a huge believer of building your business first with your local clients. I believe that if you conquer the heart of a consumer at home, then wherever they travel, they follow you. So this is a way in the last five years we have been trying to work at Saint Laurent, trying to build a loyal and authentic relationship with clients in their own country. I always say to the president of my regions build a business with the locals because the touristic flow can come and go and you get them when they come and when they go you need to have a solid sure. base to, to, t- to take care of. Uh, this means that you need to build a supply chain that is very agile and flexible because when those touristic flow changes you need to be able to, to reallocate the stock that eventually you had bought making the projection of the demand for, for a certain country. But then I like the idea of being able to 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 build an authentic relationship with Chinese consumer more in their own country, because I think it becomes more real and authentic. Mm-hmm. And we are investing a lot of resources at San to try to really build relationships that are authentic in trying to make sure that the people that work for San are very aware of the value that the brands represent. They understand them, they internalize them, but then they are able to deliver them in an authentic way and in a way that they feel comfortable with. Sure. I hate when I go to stores and I see sales associates that give you a speech that they have been provided to and you can tell, they don't know what they're talking about and they don't believe in what they're telling you. So for example, we just finished at Saint Laurent a global retail conference where we took all of our store director, assistant store director and retail team, about 500 people in Paris. We really shared with them what Saint Laurent stands for, what France is, what Paris is. We took them to Marrakech as well. And we try to engage them and make them understand the brand they work for, to make them fall in love even more with the brand. So they toured the museum
1: them. in Marrakech and everything? To, and
3: so. even the Jardin Majorelle.
1: Amazing. So
3: we, we partner a lot 500 with 500 people? Yes divided in groups, but you have to invest in yeah. your people. Your people are your first asset and your first consumer. I mean, how can I pretend to engage consumer outside the company if you are not able to engage the people that work for the company? And I am a believer in, in truth, and I believe that if you, if you tell who you are, people can choose to like you or not. But it's awful when you pretend to be who you are not and then people discover who you really are and they're disappointed. Last night, I tell you a story because it really happened last night. Uh, Actually, a very young guy working for another brand of the group wrote to me an email. And he said, ah, and I didn't know who he was. He said, Francesca, I work for this brand, and my boyfriend is a student at Bocconi. He saw you when he went to speak at Bocconi. And uh, I know that you have started your career in investment banking. Mm -hmm. Can you please spare a minute of your time to read this presentation letter of my boyfriend that he's sending to Goldman Sachs? And uh, can you please- Where you used to work. Where I used to work. Can you please tell me if what he is writing in the letter can amplify the chances for my boyfriend to be hired. And I was like, who Who is this guy? (laughs)
1: That's some chutzpah.
3: Yeah, and then I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, the guy doesn't know me, I don't know him. He doesn't even write for himself, he writes for the boyfriend. So I actually opened the letter and read it. And this guy in the letter was writing about an episode of his personal life that related to escalating a mountain. I'm not going to tell you the episode. And he was talking about it in his presentation letter. And and what I answered to this guy, you know, I cannot tell you if there are tips or shortcuts to get a job in Goldman Sachs, but what I can tell you is that if that episode for your boyfriend is really breakthrough and it's really the way he wants to be presented, let him do that. Better to present yourself for the way you really are, because then if you are hired, you have much more chances to be good at your job. And it is the same in the relationship with uh, with the consumer. Present yourself in the way you are. Be authentic. If they choose you, they remain with you. And and this is what we tend to do.
1: We're almost out of time, but I would be remiss if I didn't um, ask you for some advice. You know, know, it strikes me that um, our industry is, uh, and this has come up in, in a variety of conversations today, actually. Our industry is still run by... Generally, old white men. Mm. Um, you are one of the very few women at the top, the very, very top of a global billion dollar fashion brand. So, all, for all those young women out there who want to follow in your footsteps, you know, what, what, what advice do you have to offer them?
3: The first advice uh, that I can offer to them is like, to really believe in it. And the second one is like, to try to distance themselves from the people that want to take their dreams down simply because they are women. I've been incredibly lucky in my life. I never ever had the feeling that being a woman was kind of a negative spot. I come from a family where we are three sisters and we are three very different people. We do three very different things, but when when I was saying to my parents, oh, you know, I want to study economics, or you know, one day I want to run a big company because honestly, this is what I always wanted to do. From a young age, you
1: wanted to run a company. Yes, I really
3: wanted that because my brother-in-law had a a small company on his own and I loved the fact that he was traveling, he was doing all these interesting things, and so that is what I wanted to do. And when I was talking to my dad about that, he never said, oh, come on, you're a woman, just learn how to cook. You know how parents even joking can turn you down? That never happened to me, so for me it was kind of normal that being a woman, I could try to do whatever I wanted. And then I was again very lucky in my career because I joined Caring in 2003, so 15 years ago. So you can really tell that I built my career and I grew inside a company and a group led by François-Henri that really makes of gender equality a mantra and a real value. And, uh, and where basically, if you have the qualities that he searches for and the ambition to become someone, you are, you are given the opportunity. So I acknowledge that this is not the world. What I can say is like I hope that people like Francois Arripino and a group like Karen can inspire others to do that. And I hope I can be the proof that if you take the risk, also a woman can deliver, so maybe. And you, and you have delivered.
1: And you have delivered. I hope so. <laughs> You're an inspiration. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you so
3: much. Thank you.
5: you know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bof, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com bof to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com bof.
4: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.